Why did the president need a new car? Because he was tired of driving the same old foreign policy. What's a diplomat's favorite kind of pizza? One with extra treaties. Why did the military general use a ruler instead of a weapon? Because she was trying to measure the balance of power. What do you call a threat actor who is also a DJ? A beat dropper. Why did the cyber weapon need a new pair of glasses? Because it was having trouble reading its target's IP address. Why did the threat actor refuse to wear a uniform? Because she preferred to be dressed in code. Support for the Bid Picture podcast comes from Sesame Care. Find the best price for the highest quality physicians. Book an appointment in minutes for as low as $19. You can find out more in the links in the episode show notes. Support for the Bid Picture podcast comes from Deal. Compliantly hire anyone, anywhere, in five minutes with Deal. Deal is your one-stop shop for hiring, paying, and managing your remote team. We stay on top of local labor laws across the world to ensure compliance and mitigate risk so that you don't have to. You can find out more in the links in the episode show notes. Hello, my name is Bidem Yolokunde and you're listening to episode 212 of the Bid Picture Podcast. On this episode, I'll talk about the role of spyware and offensive cyber weapons in geopolitics. Thank you for your time. Let's get to it. Part 1. Authoritarian governments are cutting people off from the internet. So on Thursday, September 22, 2022, last year, the Iranian government restricted access to the internet in large parts of the country as authorities tried to curb a women's right protest movement that had relied on social media to express dissent and rally support while the U.S. imposed sanctions on Iran's morality police. So the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini in police custody for allegedly violating Iran's strict Islamic dress code sparked demonstrations across the country and protesters clashed violently with security forces who used tear gas and fired live ammunition. As the protests spread, Iranian authorities expanded their campaign to restrict access to the internet tightening blocks on platforms such as Instagram and WhatsApp, and that's according to NetBlocks, an internet observatory that monitors global internet traffic outages. Social media apps have been widely used to organize and share footage of those protests. So that day, September 22nd, internet access throughout Iran's largest cellular operators was heavily disrupted for several hours according to the Internet Outage Detection and Analysis Project, or IODA, another internet monitor. 
Iranian officials did not comment on the internet disruptions. However, the Deputy Communications Minister, Muhammad Kansari, told Iranian state television that Iran's domestic messaging services and websites were functioning normally. Human rights advocates say that authoritarian governments worldwide are increasingly cutting people off from the global internet, often to stop protests, censor speeches, control elections, and silence people. In 2021, Iran accounted for 5 out of 23 shutdowns that were documented in the Middle East and North Africa. Others within that list of 23 shutdowns included Sudan, Yemen, and Israeli-controlled Palestinian territories for various reasons, including security. NetBlock said that the September 2022 restrictions in Iran are the most severe since the November 2019 economic protest rocked the country. That shutdown affected the daily lives of millions of Iranians. Many in Tehran said they faced problems while trying to access services such as cash machines, online payments, and car sharing apps. It wasn't immediately clear if the internet shutdowns helped to curtail the demonstrations, but the flow of social media posts related to the protest appeared to be much slower. Ms. Amini's death and actions by Iran's security forces to suppress the protest have drawn condemnation from many in the West, including the US, the European Union, and the United Nations. The US Treasury Department imposed sanctions on Iran's morality police and senior security officials for the death of Ms. Amini and violence against the protesters. The action blocks any assets the targets may hold within U.S. jurisdiction and bars business and financial dealings with them. Analysts say they are more of a symbolic public censure of Tehran than blacklistings expected to force the regime into stopping their violent clap now. Some U.S. lawmakers called on the U.S. Treasury to do more to approve technology exports that can help Iranian citizens counter Tehran's crackdown. In response to calls to help Iranians access the internet freely, back in September, Elon Musk said his satellite internet system, Starlink, would seek an exception to sanctions to make its service available in Iran. A cottage industry of tools, some partly funded by the US government, has sprung up to help Iranian people, including journalists and dissidents, to be able to access internet in the country. Starlink could add a significant new source of internet access to those tools. Support for the Bid Picture podcast comes from Snake River Farms. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or beginner to beef, the pioneers of American Wagyu have got you covered with $25 off your order. Receive $25 off orders of over $149 with code SWAPSRF at Snake River Farms. You can find out more in the links in the episode show notes. Part 2. A full-fledged defense partnership. So this past February, a few months ago, reports came out that Russia and Iran were planning to build a new factory in Russia that could make at least 6,000 Iranian-designed drones for the war in Ukraine. 
As part of their emerging military alliance, a high-level Iranian delegation flew to Russia in early January 2023 to visit the plant site for the factory and hammer out details to get the project up and running. The two countries aim to build a faster drone that could pose new challenges for Ukrainian air defenses. U.S. officials have said that the Iranian government has already provided Moscow with hundreds of drones it has used to hit military and civilian targets in Ukraine, and the Biden administration has warned that Russia and Iran are developing a full-fledged defense partnership. Back in December, the White House warned that Moscow and Tehran were considering whether to build a joint drone production line in Russia. Now, those talks have morphed into concrete plans with the January 5 visit to the Russian town of Yelabuga, about 600 miles east of Moscow. They toured the empty site where leaders from the two nations planned to build a new factory to produce at least 6,000 drones in the coming years. The Iranian delegation was led by Brigadier General Abdullah Mehrabi, who is the head of the Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps, Aerospace Force Research and Self-Sufficiency Jihad Organization, as well as Ghassem Damavandian, the chief executive of Iran's Quds Aviation Industry, which is a key defense manufacturer that the U.S. says is central to developing and building the Iranian's drones. So far, Iran has provided Russia mostly with so-called suicide drones, known as the Shahed-136, that contain a modest amount of explosives that detonate when the unmanned vehicles crash into their targets. Russia has used those drones to target Ukraine's power grid to cripple the country's electricity supply during the cold winter, as well as to undermine morale. However, Ukraine's air defenses have largely neutralized the drone threat over time. The Shahed-136 is a slow-moving, loud drone with propeller engines, making it relatively easy to spot and shoot down. Ukraine has shot down more than 540 drones since they started appearing over its skies last fall. Now, Iran is working with Russia to develop a Shahed-136 model expected to include a new engine to make it fly faster and farther, and the proposed new factory to be built in Russia would produce the advanced drone. The drone factory is part of a $1 billion deal between Iran and Russia. Moscow has already provided Iran with weapons that were seized on battlefields in Ukraine that they are trying to reverse engineer. The U.S. has also warned that Iran has agreed to provide Russia with ballistic missiles, but so far, there is no indication that Iran has sent such missiles to Russia. Russia and Iran continue to develop closer ties on various fronts. Both countries recently connected their interbank payment messaging systems, paving the way for all Iranian banks to transact with Russian lenders. Both countries also face strict international sanctions on their banking industries. In an apparent coincidence, on January 6th, the day after Iranian officials flew to Russia to discuss the proposed new drone factory, the U.S. government imposed economic sanctions on Mr. Damavandian, the Iranian aviation executive who has been accused of overseeing Iran's supply of drones to Russia and the training of Russian forces to use the weapons. The U.S. imposed economic sanctions on Brigadier General Mehrabi 
back in 2021 when he was accused of building and buying drone engines for Iran's fleet of unmanned vehicles. Support for the Bid Picture podcast comes from Shut the Box Dice Game. Dating back to 12th century France, sailors cherished playing Shut the Box Game. In modern times whether you're camping with friends or relaxing with family, you'll have endless fun with this easy-to-learn game. Buy two, get one free, plus free shipping within the United States. You can find out more in the links in the episode show notes. Part 3. Friends with Benefits Russia is helping Iran gain advanced digital surveillance capabilities as Tehran seeks deeper cooperation on cyber warfare, basically adding another layer to an up-and-coming military alliance that the US and its allies have now considered to be a threat. According to US and Iranian officials, the potential for cyber warfare collaboration comes after Iran has sold Russia drones for use in Ukraine. Iran has agreed to provide short-range missiles to Moscow, and Iran has shipped tank and artillery rounds to the battlefield in Ukraine. Iran is seeking cyber help, along with what US and Iran officials have said are requests for dozens of elite Russian attack helicopters, fighter jets, as well as aid with its long-range missile program. Russia and Iran both have sophisticated cyber capabilities and have long collaborated signing a cyber cooperation agreement two years ago that analysts said focused mostly on cyber defense networks. However, Moscow has long resisted sharing digital offensive capabilities with Iran in the past for fear that they will end up being sold later on the dark web. Since the start of the war in Ukraine, Russia has provided Iran with communication surveillance capabilities, eavesdropping devices, advanced photography devices, and even lie detectors. Moscow has likely already shared with Iran more advanced software that would allow it to hack the phones and systems of dissidents and adversaries. Apparently, Russian authorities have determined that the benefits of advancing the military relationship with Iran outweigh any particular downsides. The Iranian government used the internet to blunt the impact of a nationwide protest movement last year, slowing down web traffic in target areas to stop the spread of videos and communications among protesters. It also used digital surveillance tools to track and arrest protesters. So according to documents published by the Citizen Lab, which is a research center based in the University of Toronto, Russia's Protei Limited, P-R-O-T-E-I, has begun providing internet censorship software to Iranian mobile services provider Ariantel. Citizen Lab said there is evidence that the Protei tools are part of a developing mobile phone system that would enable state authorities to directly monitor, intercept, redirect, degrade, or deny all Iranians' mobile communications, including those who are presently challenging the regime. In Russia, Protei develops hardware and software designed to help governments monitor communications on phone lines, emails, and credit card transactions, among other things. The company has contracts with the Russian Ministry of Defense. Iran has long worked to develop its cyber weapons into a more sophisticated program after years of being seen as a second-tier digital warfare power behind the US, 
Russia, China, and the UK. Iranian government hackers and groups aligned with the regime have conducted disinformation campaigns, they've carried out supply chain attacks, they've hit infrastructure in rival nations such as the US and Saudi Arabia, Israel has accused Iran of trying to hack its water system, and just this past February, a group affiliated with Iranian intelligence conducted a cyber attack on a top Israeli university. Iran's cyber warfare program has its origins in the government's response to 2009 protests over elections that the opposition said were rigged for then-President Mahmoud Ahmadinejad. Back then, the Iranian government's focus was on surveillance, censorship, and crushing dissent. Now, Russia would offer more sophisticated ways of monitoring communications inside the country. When Russia began deploying Iranian-made drones on the Ukrainian battlefield, the two countries deepened an alignment that began with the Syrian civil war where they helped President Bashar al-Assad to beat back a rebellion. They have now set aside differences that date back centuries to align against their mutual enemies. Support for the Bid Picture podcast comes from Softer. Softer lets you stop waiting for developers so that you can build software without devs. Blazingly fast. It is trusted by over 100,000 teams worldwide. You can find out more in the links in the episode show notes. Part 4. A blinking red light national security threat. U.S. President Biden has restricted the use of commercial hacking tools throughout the federal government, as officials said they believed high-powered spyware had compromised devices belonging to at least 50 U.S. personnel who work overseas. Mr. Biden signed an executive order that imposes rules limiting the acquisition and deployment of hacking tools from vendors whose products have been linked to human rights abuses or are deemed to pose counterintelligence or national security risks to the U.S. It also limits the purchasing of tools if they are sold to foreign governments considered to have poor records on human rights. So the move is intended to grapple with the rapidly growing and lucrative international marketplace of cyber intrusion tools that can break into someone's phone, often with malware that does not require the victim to click on any malicious link or attachment, and then spy on them undetected for months or even years. So by not banning such tools outright, the order also acknowledges that the spyware for sale industry is potentially important to government intelligence operations, even as the technology poses a growing counterintelligence and national security risk to US diplomats, spies, and others. Independent security researchers and human rights advocates have said that some forms of commercial spyware can be almost impossible to defend against and have been abused by authoritarian and some democratic governments to target journalists, dissidents, and political opponents. The discovery of the extent of infiltration of devices belonging to U.S. officials was particularly alarming, and it reflected the national security dangers posed by the unchecked proliferation of these kinds of hacking tools. 
the tally of officials who have had their devices hacked into is far larger than what has been reported previously. Officials declined to identify who was targeted other than to say that some of them held senior jobs. They also declined to identify in which countries the victims had worked, but said the hacking had occurred in at least 10 countries on multiple continents. The official said victims had been made aware of the intrusions and that the anticipated mod compromises would be identified. Back in December 2021, Apple notified 11 U.S. State Department employees in Uganda that their iPhones had been hacked. Investigators linked the attack to a tool developed by NSO Group, an Israeli technology company previously blacklisted by the Biden administration. NSO Group has long attracted the bulk of public scrutiny for selling a mobile device hacking tool known as Pegasus, which reports have alleged has been used by dozens of law enforcement and intelligence customers worldwide to break into cell phones belonging to politicians, activists, and journalists. NSO Group's chief executive recently said that the firm had terminated 10 customers because of alleged misuse of its technology and also said it had learned lessons from those experiences. But the business of commercial spyware is larger than one company and banning one firm or another would struggle to keep up with a fast-moving marketplace that until now has proliferated with scant international oversight or regulation. President Biden's executive order does not completely prohibit the purchase and deployment of commercial spyware by U.S. agencies. It essentially creates a matrix of factors that will be used case by case to restrict a spyware vendor's use within the government. However, barred companies won't be made public. The order lists steps that companies can take to potentially remove their products from prohibition, such as cancelling licensing agreements with governments that violate human rights. The risks considered when weighing whether to restrict the use of a vendor's technology include whether the spyware has been directed against U.S. government personnel and whether the company is under the effective control of a foreign government engaged in intelligent activities directed against the U.S. It also penalizes vendors if their tools are found to be used by a foreign actor against activists or others for the purposes of intimidation or to curb political opposition or to enable human rights abuses or is used by a foreign actor to track Americans without proper legal authorization and oversight. Additionally, agencies can be barred from purchasing hacking tools even if they are not linked to malicious activity but merely sold to a government that is determined to be violating human rights. The order will broadly continue to allow agencies to acquire the technology for non-operational uses, such as testing it for research or cybersecurity purposes. It is not known how widespread the use of commercial spyware is within the federal government, but public reports have linked some agencies to both operational and non-operational use cases involving multiple technologies. 
the revelation that at least 50 U.S. officials working overseas had been compromised showed that spyware tools pose a blinking red-light national security threat and it cuts across U.S. government activity around the world. So to wrap up, on this episode, I talked about the role of spyware and offensive cyber weapons in geopolitics. So that's all I have for this episode 212 of the Bid Picture Podcast. Thanks for listening. The Bid Picture Podcast is produced by Sunshine Media in association with Alowinly Productions. Fact-checking by Zara Kuznetsova. Audio engineer, Sergey Gorsky. Graphic design, Stacey Graham. Senior producer, Abidemi Ologunde. Executive producers, Olufolani Ologunde and Toby Loba Ologunde. Please join me again on the next episode as I continue with a deep dive on cybersecurity's news, events, and incidents, and the lessons we can learn from them for robust cyber threat intelligence and awareness in our daily lives. Make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the Beat Picture Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pandora, TuneIn Radio, or anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also, please share the show with anyone that you think might benefit from it. For questions, comments, or any suggestions, please send an email to bdme at thebeatpicture.com. You can also get in touch on Twitter at BeatPicture, on the Clubhouse app at Beat, as well as on the Wisdom app at BDME. Please remember to leave a review for the podcast if your platform allows you to do so. Thank you for your time. See you on the next episode. Bye for now.